This is episode 209, Breaking Down Walls with Daisy. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am recording this from Maui, where I am one day away from welcoming 40 people coming to my Maui retreat. I'm so excited about it, and I'm looking at the beautiful ocean, listening to the sound of the waves, and just really, really grateful to be here. There are some opportunities to join me for some events coming up. First of all, Steph and I are teaching in London together on October 6th. It's an event called London Love Amplified. And in this event, we're going to be looking at love from three directions, your relationship with yourself, so self-love, relational and romantic love, and then love of purpose and higher power. And I put those last two together because I feel like we are most on purpose when we are most connected to our higher power, whatever that is. So anyone that lives in London, in Europe, even on the East Coast of the U.S., come on over and join us again October 6th. The website to register is christinehassler.com slash London dash 2019. And my spring retreat is coming up this March. So if you are jonesing to go on a retreat with me, I'll have more info about that coming up, but it's my signature retreat. It always sells out. So listen up for more information and be sure to subscribe to my weekly emails because that's when I make a lot of those announcements got a great episode for you today with Daisy, and it's a really wonderful listen for any of you who feel a little shut down or shut off. Daisy calls in and she thinks she's too much in her masculine ego, she's too judgmental, she's too cynical, but what we eventually discover is she's not any of that. So as you are listening to this call, consider, have you been told you are too judgmental or critical? If you're a woman, do you feel connected to your feminine energy or do you feel like you operate more in your masculine? Have there been significant life events that you've just kind of swept under the rug or put in the box of your past that you know they're impacting your present? And does vulnerability kind of make you uncomfortable when other people are emotional or vulnerable? Are you turned off by it? Do you not know what to do in that situation? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Daisy. Daisy, welcome to the show. What's your question? So I have a few different areas that I feel probably feed into one bigger thing for me. And to kind of run through them a bit, um, my boyfriend gives me lots of feedback that he thinks that I can be kind of a very cynical and judgmental person. Um, and that, that can kind of tie into a lack of self-confidence and quite often feeling not good enough in myself. And then something else I struggle with is I feel I have a very strong masculine ego. I'm kind of, I'm very uncomfortable with being vulnerable. I'm not really emotional at all. And I try and get more in touch with those things, but I find it really hard to do. I kind of cling on to that masculine ego a lot. And I feel like they all are kind of intertwined somehow, but Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure how. Describe to me what you mean by masculine ego. If you were going to define that, what's your definition of that? 
I think very independent, quite shut off emotionally. I guess things that I would typically think of as more of a feminine energy in terms of wanting to be a loving and that kind of mothering type of energy I just struggle with. I don't feel very feminine in the way of loving, emotional, caring. Mm -hmm. I feel a bit more shut off Mm -hmm. emotionally. And answer these two questions. How is this a problem in your life and why do you want to change it? I think it's a problem through relationships mainly. I think that I end up feeling that I'm the much more masculine one and it can be quite uncomfortable at times for for my boyfriend being with me. And I think it's something that I've been aware of for quite a while. I think I I went through some trauma when I was younger, which Mm -hmm. meant that I started to switch off emotionally. And over time, it's almost like it's built and built and built this this wall. And I've struggled to break through that. Yeah. And why do you want to change it? Just feels like the right time. Mm. I feel like I need to be more open Mm -hmm. and I want to be that kind of person. Mm -hmm. But I've struggled to get there. And what do you feel being more open and being, in your words, that kind of person? How will that change your life or impact you? I think that it's a much healthier thing to be in touch with my emotions. Mm -hmm. I think that I can end up feeling quite lost and I can feel very indecisive and numb and sometimes a bit angry kind of deeply inside and without really knowing where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think that it ties into the fact that I don't process emotions. I don't feel them. I'm not able to be loving or be vulnerable at all. Right. Well, Daisy, it's not that you're not able to. My my guess is you actually are a very sensitive person and whatever the trauma was, and I can probably guess, you had to go so far the other direction to survive. Yeah. So even though you think it would be much healthier to be more open and more loving and all of those things, it actually probably has been healthier for you to be a bit guarded and have these walls up because it's protected you. But now, now in this moment, when you and I are on this call together, just the mere fact that you're on this call means that a part of you not your ego, a deeper part of you is ready to start to look back and process some of those, that trauma and feel some of those feelings that felt way too big and way too scary to process at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the trauma that you lived with. So when I was 14, I had a older brother who was in the army and was unfortunately killed while he was out in Afghanistan. Mm. And when it happened, it was obviously a very big traumatic event in the family. And we also come from a very small town. So it was big news that everyone knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of in the papers at the time, and it was very, felt very intrusive that Mm -hmm. everyone was kind of involved and seeing the family go through everything individually it's like seeing that everyone was breaking down Mm -hmm. and so I think I went for being strong and not being emotional and kind of held on to everything and held it inside yeah and obviously now it's just getting to the point where 
that isn't really serving me. Yeah. But I've had like I've had therapy and I've seen counselors and I've spoken about it and I've talked through it, but I still don't feel able to really go back and fully process yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my sense is you've probably talked around it and you've talked about it. You haven't yeah. actually felt it. Yeah. Which again is is okay. No judgment on that. You probably needed several years to get comfortable talking about it before you're ready to feel it. You know, I was having a call with a client this morning and she was asking me, well, where should I be? Like, what should my goal be right now? Shouldn't I be farther along? And we, we just can't apply any timeline to our own growth and evolution Mm -hmm. and healing. We have to trust that when the time is ripe, And when our soul and our mind and all parts of us are ready to deal with what we need to deal with, and a lot of that has to do with having the right people around that can support us as well, then we'll get to the places we really need to get to. But I want to first, can you forgive yourself for the judgment you have on yourself for being too much in your masculine or having these walls up or having this masculine ego and being cynical and judgmental. Can you forgive yourself for that and really see that is 100% what you absolutely needed to do to survive? Yes. Okay. So can you just say, I forgive myself for judging myself in my process? I forgive myself for judging myself in the process. Yeah. And see that right there, that right there, what you just said is a softening. That is an opening. Can you feel how just forgiving yourself and and taking off a little bit of that judgment starts to soften you just a bit? Yeah. Yeah. And that is what softens the masculine ego. And I see this inside of myself and I see this in my relationship with Stephanos. What softens the masculine ego more than anything is compassion. Yeah. And you have that. You definitely have that inside of you. And so that's going to be your, your superpower here is softening into that and knowing that you had to talk and talk and talk about it to get comfortable enough with this story so that now you can go into the feelings. Can you see that too? Yeah. Okay. And can you also see that when we have a tragedy, like losing a family member, it's hard to not be skeptical and cynical because in that moment, what can often happen is we just lose faith in the universe we lose faith in people and we don't want to be positive and open because then when's the other shoe going to drop? When's the next person going to die? When's the next Mm. expectation hangover? So can you see that again, that's not who you are, Daisy. You are not a skeptical and cynical person or judgmental person. You have developed a behavioral pattern based on losing your faith in the universe at 14. Yeah. So what's coming up for you as I'm saying all this? It's interesting just to kind of go through it and hear you 
describing it back to me and just like thinking of some of the things like I definitely feel that I struggle with empathizing and being like a sympathetic person to other people and I don't know if that came from at the time when I was going through it the trying to be the strong person but whenever I could see like the look in someone's eye or I could tell that they were kind of treating me differently because of what I had been through I hated that right and that's I feel like it's kind of come full circle now because then I won't do that to other people well it's actually good because what people were doing is they were pitying you that's probably why you hated it most people do sympathy way better than they do empathy empathy yeah true true empathy and compassion means there's not judgment but the people in your town that looked at you they were thinking oh that poor girl she lost her brother it's such an awful thing they were more thinking about how it was landing inside of them than just seeing you and loving you and holding you in your pain Mm. yeah there's a difference between going oh daisy this must be so hard i am here for you i can't imagine what you're going through Versus, oh, you poor thing. This is such a terrible thing. I can't believe this happened to you. Can you feel the difference? Yeah, definitely. Which, how does it feel different to you? A bit more understanding, I think. And yeah, a bit less of the feeling sorry for me, Mm -hmm. but a bit more from the heart. Right. Of someone just trying to maybe understand how you feel exactly without judgment exactly and because you didn't like how pity felt it's hard you don't want to go do that for others and so what the opportunity is is for you to develop the tool of empathy which goes along with compassion and how does someone do that how do you work on being an empathetic person forgiving any judgments that you have. (laughs) So like, for example, if when you told me that story about your brother dying, I could feel a little part of me that was like, Ooh, that's tough. And then I immediately said, I forgive myself for judging. And I went back into just compassion. It's not up to me to decide what's good, bad, right, or wrong. Being an empathetic person I am just honoring your feelings and, and being with you. That's what compassion is. Co means with, passion means suffering. Being with your suffering, whatever it is, without trying to fix it, without trying to say something to make you feel better, without pitying you or seeing you as a victim. Empathizing with, yeah, that is awful. That's a really awful, hard thing to have happen. It's traumatic. It's a loss. It's it's awful. That's just a fact. (laughs) Yeah. But I, and I can hold in that and see that it's awful, but not feel sorry for you, not make you a victim. Yeah. And I also want to talk about being strong. I'm not a fan of people being strong. And the reason is exactly where you are right now. When people just are strong, 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 they build walls up And they will be validated for being independent and having Mm -hmm. it all together. However, there's not very many intimate relationships, like truly intimate relationships where there's vulnerability and softness. 
Yeah, very true. Being resilient is important in the sense that we are willing to learn and grow and keep going and being even resilient in being willing to feel our feelings. It takes great resiliency and great bravery to feel our pain. And that's really Mm -hmm. where you are now because my guess is, and you tell me if this resonates with you, because you so didn't want to be seen as a victim and I, I can kind of feel your brother here and I feel his, um, his strength and his character and just, um, his, who he was to you and how I think feel like there's a part of you that believes he wouldn't want you to be a victim. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. He seems very courageous. Anyway, my sense is, and you tell me if this resonates with you, because you never wanted to be seen as a victim, even feeling your feelings feels a bit indulgent or felt a bit indulgent. Like you can't go there because one, it's scary and two, it's pitiful. Yes. So tell me one, what scares you about feeling your feelings And two, tell me what you judge about feeling your feelings. Like when you see someone who's crying a lot or is very emotional, what are your judgments of that person? I think what scares me is, well, both of them really, I feel it's like the vulnerability. So like I hate the thought of even feeling vulnerable. And like even when I see it on other people, it's almost like I... I like cringe a bit inside because yeah, I'm I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think vulnerability seems like a big one. So, okay. Um, Let let me, I just want to get in your head. So to you, what does vulnerability look like? Someone crying? Tell me what you describe as someone being vulnerable. To me, I think someone who, need someone else or someone mm-hmm. who needs to rely on them or they need, yeah, any mm-hmm. kind of support. Mm-hmm. Got it. And when you cringe, when you see someone that seems needy to you, what's the thought that goes along with that? What's the judgment? I'm not sure exactly what the thought is, but it's more a feeling of just dislike mm-hmm. and not really wanting to be around it. So it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And does it make you uncomfortable because you don't know what to do and how to handle it? Or is it just that you're a little turned off by it? Maybe a mix of both. Mm-hmm. And maybe because it's, I think being in a place where going back to when it happened, I was obviously extremely vulnerable and probably because people didn't really know how to handle me and how to be around me. Mm -hmm. It was just easier. I didn't want to be around people and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to feel like the pity and stuff. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. I don't know if it ties back to that, that I never kind of learned what being vulnerable is and how to do it correctly. Sure. And so now it's just like, yeah, Yeah. it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I hear that. And just a couple backstory questions. First, what was your relationship like with your brother? And then second, how did your parents deal with you when your brother died? 
relationship was very good in terms of he was just an older brother who was in the army, so was very much kind of looked up to, Mm -hmm. was just a very funny, charismatic person. So just a very, like, young girl love for this, like, cool older brother. Mm -hmm. And then... How did he make you feel, your brother? Quite special. Mm -hmm. I have some other sisters as well, so... I know he had good relationships with all of us, but I think he was just someone who was very loving and he was just like the cool one. We'd go off and do fun things. Mm-hmm. So he was very idolized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then your parents? How did they um, care for you after his death? Hmm. I think it was a real struggle. Mm-hmm. I think it was such a hard thing for everyone to go through that while they were there and did their best to support kind of just the family network and look after everyone, I don't really remember much specific kind of around it. It was kind of just everyone was doing their best to sort things out. And it was a very dragged out process it's kind of like waiting over a month pretty much for just for the body to come back Mm -hmm. so the whole process of getting to have a funeral and everything was took a very long time Mm -hmm. um so it was all just kind of trying to trying to keep everyone together I guess Mm -hmm. but it was very hard um for them yeah of course I mean losing a child is Ooh, just a, a nightmare. Mm. Did anyone in that time, Daisy, just hold you and let you cry? No. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. And that's not about blame at all. I mean, everyone was doing the best they can. But mm. what, what, what's happened from my point of view, and then I'll get into what I would recommend moving forward, is you, you missed out on a grieving process. Yeah. And when we miss out on a grieving process, it's, it's, it's like having an open wound and having it well tended to versus not well tended to. Yeah. If you get the right care, it, it heals up in the way it's supposed to. But if you don't, it doesn't. And the scar is much worse. Yeah. And because you never got an opportunity to grieve in the way that you needed to grieve, especially for a 14-year-old girl, that's a confusing time in life anyway. Mm-hmm. And to add a tragedy, especially of this person in your life that you looked up to, that was that fun and carefree and charismatic, everything that you claim not to be now, to have that taken away, oh, and the fact that he made you feel special, to have all of that go you you lost one of the loves of your life. Yeah. And so the opportunity from my point of view is to find the right healer, therapist, not necessarily talk therapist, but someone who can really take you back and help you grieve. And help you cry your tears, help you 
um, speak and voice your anger to God, to the universe, to war, to whatever, yeah. and move you through the stages of grief. I mean, if you, if you look up the stages of grief and just read it from a psychological point of view, there are distinct and, in my opinion, necessary steps to go through. And you just had to swallow everything, not cause any more trouble for your parents, try to find your place in the world, deal with the body coming back and how everybody looked at you. And it was just really, really confusing. So I want to acknowledge you for how well you've done with it. I know that you have a lot of judgment and say that you're in this masculine ego, but I would stop calling it that. I would more call it, I've been in a self-protective pattern. Yeah. Because there's no, in, in my talking to you, I feel your feminine loud and clear. I don't feel like I'm talking to a masculine woman. I feel the protective part of you. I feel the part of you that's scared to open up because she might get her heart broken again. I feel those parts, but I don't feel a masculine ego. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you, honestly, do you, after our conversation thus far, do you really feel like you have this masculine ego or do you feel more that you have a protective pattern that you've needed to survive? Yeah, I definitely agree. Like hearing you describe it in that way and that actually it's just, yeah, a protecting pattern. Yeah. It's not that it's a masculine it's, ego. It's not who you are. Yeah. Not at all. It's a protective pattern. And so with your partner now, is he more masculine or feminine? Um, I mean, quite an even mix, but I feel like he feels maybe more feminine sometimes because the way that I act is so masculine at times. Right. Well, but, but he also may not be fully in his masculine because a man that's fully in his masculine can, for lack of a better word, outman you. Yeah. And help you drop into your feminine. So my guess is he's got some walls up too. Yeah. Yeah. Which wouldn't be surprising because if you've got walls up, you're going to track somebody with walls up. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I really hope you can come to our event in October because even with your partner, because the whole thing is about amplifying love and breaking down walls and opening up. Um, So the timing of that would be perfect. But yes. for now, the based on what you're telling me and based on what you're wanting, because it sounds like you're wanting to start taking down the walls, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. But the thing with these walls, how old are you now? 28. Okay, so this has been 14 years. They're well reinforced. Mm-hmm. So we don't take a wrecking ball and just smash the whole thing down. We do it brick by brick. Otherwise, you're going to get freaked out. Mm -hmm. So my first, do you have expectation hangover? Mm, 
Maybe a little. Do you have a book? I've read about it. Um, I don't actually have the book, but I've read stuff about it. Maybe I should get it. So expectation hangover, the book would really help, but would help even more as my mastery course, uh, because yeah. I take you through how to do emotional release work. And at the same time, I would highly recommend finding, um, I recommend somatic therapists a lot and a therapist yeah. that will, cause you've talked about this enough. And so you, you need a therapist who's attuned enough to create a safe space for you to begin to grieve it. Yeah. Okay. Cause just for a moment, just close your eyes for a moment and just take yourself back to 14 and just, and feel your brother. What's his name? Stephen. Stephen. And just allow yourself to feel him and allow yourself to feel how much you loved him and see him looking at you and making you feel special, making you laugh. And how does that feel? I find it quite difficult to do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if maybe just because I have shut off a lot over the years um but it's good in a way to actually try and take a moment to to do, try and do it even yeah. just to yeah take that space and that time yeah and that's why I wanted to check in I wanted to see how far from the emotion you were I go back to what I said earlier and and brick by brick and sooner or later the wellspring will open and you'll be allowed, you'll allow yourself to grieve. And I promise you won't get stuck there and you won't last there forever. And the walls will start coming down. But this was an amazing first step. Yes, I agree. And do you feel how you already feel softer and more open? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't at all describe you as judgmental or cynical or hard right now. Yeah, I agree. Right. So can you really see that it's possible? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Daisy, for your vulnerability. And I really want to highlight that for you, Daisy, if you're listening. You are very vulnerable and very soft and very open in this coaching session. So this whole label of being too judgmental or critical or too much in your masculine ego, I think it's time to throw that label away. So how I really coached Daisy was first eliciting how this complaint of being too judgmental or critical was a problem in her life. I asked her the questions, how is this a problem? Why do you want to change that? And what really came from it is she says she thinks it's healthier, that she can feel indecisive, numb, and angry. And that's an amazing awareness. And I'm sure some of you can relate to that is, you know, that you can be more open, you can be more clear, you can be softer, but it feels like something is blocking you. And that's what Daisy said. She says, I'm not able to be loving or vulnerable. Okay. First of all, let's be careful with our language. Don't affirm that you aren't able to do something. You probably have just forgotten or like Daisy, you've built up protective patterns that have prevented you from being open because when you've been open in the past, you've been hurt. And like I told Daisy, even though you think it may be healthier to be more open, it probably has been healthier to have walls up up until now because it has protected you. 
until a part of us is really and truly ready to start the process of the things that made us put up the walls in the first place, often it's better to have those walls up. It's better for our psyche. It's better for our emotional well-being. And eventually we reach the point like Daisy's reaching where it's either brought to our awareness or we have the awareness that the walls are no longer protecting us. They're actually blocking love. They're keeping out perceived and possible hurt but they're also keeping out the love and the intimacy that we want. So as Daisy shared, the death of her brother when she was 14 was a very, very traumatic event. And how she dealt with that trauma is she didn't really grieve. She went into just being strong and holding everything inside. And she's talked about the event, but my sense is, and I told her this, that she hasn't really processed through it. She's talked about it in therapy but hasn't really been able to dive into the feelings. You even heard at the end when I attempted to take her into a memory of her brother or a feeling of her brother, she couldn't really access it. And that's okay. Yet that will come in time, which is why I suggested working with a somatic therapist or someone that can really help her get into those feelings. And it's also very necessary not to judge our protective patterns and forgive ourselves from them. Daisy had a huge judgment on herself for being a bit shut down. I had her do a statement of forgiveness after we were both in the energy of compassion so that it was possible for her to soften. You know, what softens our ego, call it a masculine or feminine ego, it doesn't matter. What softens the ego in general is compassion. Compassion really is all of our superpower when it comes to healing. Daisy also had a tragedy that can lead to being skeptical and cynical. It feels scary to be positive and open because we don't want to be disappointed. So, If you can relate to that, just know you're not a cynical person. You've developed a behavioral pattern based on at some time in your life, losing your faith in the universe. Another big topic we talked about is how Daisy found it hard to be empathetic or sympathetic to others. But really what we discovered is that in the past, she didn't like feeling pitied. It felt yucky to her. And that's because pity is actually judgment. It is feeling sorry for another person. And it really doesn't carry the energetic of compassion. When I gave her the two examples of when I talked to her with compassion versus when I talked to her with pity, she said the one with compassion and empathy felt way more from the heart. And it is. Compassion is from the heart, while pity and sympathy is from the head. And I have a friend going through a really hard time, and I've had to practice this because I do think what she's having to deal with really sucks. It's unfair and it's awful from her, in, in my judgment. So because of that, it's easy to slip into sympathy, but I know as her friend, that's not what she needs from me. She doesn't want to be a victim, and she certainly does not want me to see her as one by pitying her. So I really held the intention of feeling with her, holding compassion, holding the safe space for her to cry, and crying with her. Empathy doesn't mean you don't feel. As an empathetic person, I feel a lot. It's just feeling without the judgment or feeling sorry for the other person. Now, I want to talk about being strong. I'm not a fan of people praising themselves or others for being strong, unless it was the push-up competition that Steph won at our gym after his second attempt. That's That kind of strength is great. But emotional strength is often seen as something healthy. But the way we think about emotional strength or what we think emotional strength is, is actually not healthy. As I said to Daisy, being strong is usually a byproduct of shutting down, stuffing our emotions so far under the rug and or developing great distractions or bypassing techniques so we don't feel them is not really healthy. Often being strong just results in a lot of walls being up. Sure, you may be validated for being intimate and strong, but often there is a lack of intimate relationships. So 
be resilient and willing instead. With Daisy, she doesn't want to be seen as a victim or with pity, so she just avoids her feelings. She even said she cringes when someone is vulnerable in front of her, which she described as someone who needs something, someone else in any way. But true vulnerability isn't about needing people. True vulnerability is about letting people in and letting people see us, our real self, our most authentic self, and being willing to feel our feelings. This is so important for Daisy because she missed out on the grieving process. And when we miss out on a grieving process, we miss out on healing and the scar is much worse. So Daisy's opportunity is to find the right support system to help her heal. And in that process, the softening will come. A very significant wall was built at the age of 14 that was a survival pattern. And in order for that wall to come down, she needs a safe space to express all the wounds that that wall currently protects. And I advised her to stop using the words masculine ego, but more see it as a protective pattern and to have patience with the walls. No wrecking balls, brick by brick. So some takeaways for you. What are your protective patterns? What are the patterns that have resulted in some walls going up? And can you have empathy and compassion for those patterns and those walls and see that they really did serve you? Do you empathize or sympathize more? Do you go into judgment and often pity people? And can you really amp up the compassion and empathy instead? And finally, is there something you need to grieve? Is there something from your past that you just kind of skipped over? I really encourage you to give yourself this space and grace to have your grieving process. All right, everybody, that's the show for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening, sending you so much love and many blessings. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.